Um, we're in the last part of a series called Honorable Mention. Um, next week, we're going to kick off a series on Easter Sunday uh, called Mosaic, which most of us have some broken pieces of our life on some level. They're like, what on earth good can come out of this? And we're going to be looking at a series about giving, li- giving God our whole life. Sometimes we can get excited about giving God some of the decent pieces that are left over, the stuff we feel good about. But God wants us to even give him the broken parts and that he can turn something beautiful and amazing. And we're going to be talking about this, that next week. But this week, we're closing up the Honorable Mention series. And the whole concept of this is the undergirding piece is how to win in life without being first because our society, American society, is about being first. It's about being first. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be excellent. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. The thing is, is that we can, it creeps in and we begin to self-promote instead of being, being someone who is a steward of ourselves to harvest the best out of us. And then that's when, when we begin to, to really flourish and rise to the top. But this series we're looking at the fact that the Bible tells us that our best life is found in serving others. Not when we focus on ourselves, but when we focus on someone else. So let's go ahead and get into our notes. See, God wants each of us to win in life. Well, that's a lot of wins. On the planet right now, that's 7 billion wins. That's a lot of wins. God wants each of us to win. It's not like He wants some of us to win. See, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's the good news. The good news isn't, ha huh, some of you get to go. God loves some of you. Some of you are going to make it. No, it's that he, the good news is he was reconciling the world to himself. And we get to carry that. We don't have to go, oh, God, I need to know. Lord, do you really love this person? Do I really need to waste my time on sharing them? Or do you really? Yes, he loves us all. We don't have to worry about that. It's for all of us. So he wants 7 billion wins right now. And a big God with a big plan is the only one that can bring that about. But we have to understand that it's not about us 7 billion individuals trying to shove ourselves up to the top. Matthew 10.39 says, Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Do you ever find that God knows more than you do? Pretty wild concept, I know. I'm going to get pretty deep theological waters here. God knows more than you do. And uh, we know that on the surface. But in our day-to-day application, we don't really like that. We want God to to agree with what we think we know and what we think is going to be best for our life. I love the old country song of, I thank God for unanswered prayers. I mean, seriously, because a guy comes to a point in his life where he finally gets the one for him and he'd prayed for all the wrong women before. That God knows more than we do. And we found this. In fact, the, the pathway to me being right here right now was set a long, long time ago. And a first step that I honestly, I didn't want to take. 
the first step I just didn't want to take. Whenever I came to, uh, a, came to ASU, I had just come out of a, I was not a real godly young man, but I was sent to church by my parents and a part of our youth group. And, and um, God had done something significant. If you've been around very long, you know about me sharing about my summer camp before my senior year. But it wasn't really showing up on the outside very good. And uh, anyway, so I come here, begin to get connected. God begins to speak to me. He begins to confirm it through some other people that the direction my life was going was not the direction he wanted for me. So in this process, I end up meeting and marrying my awesome wife, and I completely disconnected from what I had been pursuing, and I'm just going to church and feel like God had called me into ministry. But I'm going to Angelo State University. I'm not going to Bible school. And as I prayed, that's where God wanted me to be. He didn't want me to uproot and go to a Bible school. He wanted me to stay right there. So I connect with a guy who was here just a couple of weeks ago. His name was John Holler. He was pastor in a church locally here in town. We were attending that church. I didn't really have a, much of a relationship with him. And, and I caught him after a service and said, hey, I feel like that God's called me to be a pastor. And, um, and uh, I heard you were teaching people how to preach. I'm going to need to know that. Would you mind teaching me? Well, that church was just full of missionaries at that point in time. Everybody even remotely felt like the, that they had an assignment of God on their life. Man, they were going to the mission field. So, man, he just put his claws into me and began to pour into me. I got through my little homiletics class, and he told me, never pass up an opportunity to preach. He said, unless God tells you don't do it, then do it. I said, all right, Pastor John, I'll do it. Well, just a couple of weeks later, the youth guy comes and asks me, hey, I want you to share your testimony with our teens. Well, I had just barely turned 20. My brand new bride of about four months was 19 years old. We'd just come out of youth. We didn't have a real good opinion of youth. And so we're like, this, these are pretty much our peers here. And we, we did not want to really be involved in youth ministry. We talked about it in advance. We're going to go and share our, share our testimony, and, and we're done. We're, we're popped out. So I go in, and there's probably about 30 teens in there. Um, in fact, I don't know if Roderick was actually there that Sunday or not, but he very well could have been. His family went to our church, and he was still in high school at that point. And um, anyway, so there's a bunch of teens there in, in that room. I go in and have and just a not pleasant time. I go up and stand in front of 30 teens, and they weren't like our teens. Our teens are, man, they're into the Word. They jump in. They want to read the Scriptures. They want to be a part. These teens were just not paying attention. It may have just been my really terrible communication skills. But, man, nobody was paying attention at all. There were some girls trying to pick a fight with my wife. So she's on the front row, and these girls are just eyeballing her and trying to get in a fight with her. And this is my first preaching engagement. And it was just not good. And in the middle of that, nobody paying attention to me, nobody getting anything out of it, my wife doing her best to not go whoop three young ladies because my, my wife, was uh, she grew up uh, in, in Greenwood, and they just go ahead and take care of business. They don't mess around. You want to fight? Let's throw. And so that, that was your mentality back then, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. You clean up good, but we know. And so, I know, I know. Let me stand on this side. 
Anyways, but she, uh, she was doing her best not to just get in a fist fight. I mean, that was the love of God, was keeping her hands down. And um, so in the middle of that, in the middle of this not pleasant moment, the Holy Spirit just drops it in my heart that this is where I want you. And I'm like, seriously, Lord. It's like, you're going to have to tell my wife. I'm not going to just pull the card. Hey, I'm the, I'm the head of this home. We're doing this. I was like, you're going to have to talk to her. We're going to have to be in agreement on this. So I finish up. There was no great altar call. Nobody made a decision for Christ. No, it was nothing good seemed to come out of it. But the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I come and I sit down next to my wife. And I'm thinking, how am I going to bring this up? That I feel like this is where God wants us. And she leans over to me and has just this face. She leans over and she goes, this is where God wants us. And then just sits back up like, it was not this awesome, oh, my heart is full of compassion. Oh, we can just make a difference here. Oh, I just love these young people. Neither one of us were happy about it. But we heard God and said, all right, God, you know more than we do. You know more than we do. We said, all right, God. Well, man, immediately we had visit with the youth pastor we jump in we're going to youth camps by just a few months later we're the youth directors we're the youth pastors and we just for eight and a half years we did youth and it ended up being incredible and there's a bunch of people on our team and in this church today that I, we connected with through that there are people all over it i've got we've got nathan bosworth in big lake texas going to be preaching in about 45 minutes or so and he came up through that youth ministry. I mean, it was just so many cool things. Just the plan of God was so much bigger than we even remotely understood in, say, understood in saying yes to God in that little moment. But it wasn't about us. It was God wanted us to serve there. We didn't want to do it. We didn't want to do it. But, man, as our, our hearts immediately began to line up. See, Colossians 3, 3 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, the problem is, is we get confused, and we think, all of a sudden, my best life is about me. And then we have to remember, wait a second. It can't be. I died. According to this, the old man's gone. The new life we have it exists in Christ. We try to cling to that old thing, and guess what? It's just decaying and getting worse and worse. We try to live focused on ourselves, and that is all we're going to do is hang around something that is rotten, rotting out from under us. But our life, the life that we're really called to live, it is hidden in Christ. That's when, when I got a hold of this scripture, it changed the way I studied the scriptures. All of a sudden, I began to see the more I understood Jesus, the more I understood me. Because my life is hidden with Christ. The more I understood his heart, the more I understood the way I should be. The more I understood him, the more I understood myself. It changes everything. See, the new life we have in Christ works best when we are serving others instead of serving self. It just works best that way. We ended up, this wasn't originally in my notes, but it just ended up being a neat deal. We, my boys just started shooting clays competitively, and we had a shoot yesterday in Fort Worth. 
So we go there, their local Tom Green County did good and give them a shout out, got third place. There were 19 teams, so no, there wasn't just three teams. <laughs> and so, and so the, there were 19 teams, they did good, got some, got some uh, endowment money for our club, and it was, a, it was a super neat deal. And while they were there, then the, this guy named uh, Vincent Hancock shows up. Well, I didn't know who Vincent Hancock was either. But he is the reigning two-time Olympic skeet shooting champion. Got two gold medals. Gold medal from Beijing and gold medal from London. And he was there at the event. And just there. And what was so cool is, yeah, the kids would want to see the gold medals. And both of my boys held gold medals in their hands. And got, we got pictures taken with them and all that stuff. But the coolest thing about Vincent being there is pretty soon all the little stuff died down. Everybody got their pictures with him and all that kind of stuff. And I would watch him walk around and talk to these shooters. He wasn't talking to the parents and all the people goo-goo over him. He was talking to these 12, 13, 14-year-old shooters. And he was just pouring into on them, encouraging them. He said, man, you got good form on this. I overheard him come up to a little 12-year-old girl and said, you've got the most potential of anybody I've seen out here. She ended up, she, she ended up winning the whole thing for, for her category. And, I mean, just serving them it wasn't about the glory for him he was out there to encourage young people and to serve them and to pour into them that was that is what we're called to do with any gifting or platform or anything that comes into our lives i don't know if he's a believer or not i hope he is if he's not he's using his platform right to build young people up and to pour into them that's what we're called with our whole lives mark 10:45 says even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I tell you what, he's got 24-7 praise in heaven. It wasn't like he was unappreciated. He's like, I'm going to go find some place where I can be a rock star and come to heaven. I mean, come to earth and come around and walk around. No, he was rejected. He was, he was <clears throat> lied about. He ended up giving his life, and he did not do it to be served. He did not do it to come and have people fawn over him and say, Oh, you're so wonderful, Jesus. You're so great. In fact, early on in his ministry, when people would figure out who he was, that he really was the Messiah, he's like, Keep it to yourself. He just needed to come and to serve and to pour into people and to do miracles and to teach them and to serve them. That is his, was his whole point to coming to this planet was to serve and to give his life for, as a ransom for many. As he expresses himself through his body, it is still to serve. You want to embrace the fullness of your life. Look at what God has called you to serve. See, serving others is connected to a willingness to keep growing in love. Galatians five thirteen says, For you, my brothers, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom... To indulge the sinful nature. Rather serve one another in love. We have the freedom. Freedom. You know, it's not obligation. It's freedom. You could do this other. He says, just don't. Just choose not to. Instead, choose one another. Choose to serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I won't put all the guys on the spot, but I can guarantee you the bulk of guys around here have done the same thing I've done. Where you need to put in a nail, you can't find the hammer, so you grab the next heaviest tool you can find. 
big fat crescent wrench, you know, stale loaf of bread, whatever you can get. And you, ha and you hammer that nail in with something that doesn't work. And usually that's when the wall gets divided a little bit or the fingers get bloodied or bad words get dropped or any of those different things is when we're not using thing f the, the right tool for the right thing. Well, just like we can use the wrong tool for the right purpose, we can use the right tool for the wrong purpose. And that's what he's talking about is we've been given freedom. Isn't that so good? We don't have to say, God, I need to figure out how to use my talent so I can, so I can impress you and get into heaven. You, you, we're already heaven ready in Christ. So we could say, God, how can I use my giftings to love on those you love? How can I, love, how can I use my giftings to love on those you love? God, they're a big deal to you, then they're going to be a big deal to me. And it's completely an act of love. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18 says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. There is this place of going from glory to glory. As soon as we step over from death to life and we say yes to Jesus, then there is this aspect of glory in our lives. But it can increase. That's what it talks about, ever-increasing glory, that more and more of our lives begin to reflect who God really is. And I'm convinced that that happens as we embrace the assignment on our lives to just love Him and love people. Sometimes we want to just love him. God, you're a lot easier to deal with than these people you made. But our assignment where we really grow in our life is when we love him and love those he loves. And so we have this big question looming over us. How do we know that we're actually growing in knowing God better and trusting him more? That's what Celebration Church is about. Over in Big Lake, they're finishing up six weeks of the vision. As they're getting ready in September, we're going to do a full launch there. And it'll be Big Lake, uh, Celebration Church, Big Lake. And they're going through our vision. And they've gone over and over and over again the fact that we're here to help people to know God better and trust Him more. How do we know if this is taking place? How do we know if this is transpiring? Romans 1.17 God's way, I love the way the message translation reads this. God's way of putting people right. See, remember we come to God and we're kind of jacked up. We're messed up. We're going to be doing a whole series, Mosaic, on looking at bringing us in our fullness to God and Him putting things right in our lives. God's way of putting people's right shows up in acts of faith or trust. Confirming what Scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God, by trusting Him, really lives. When we begin to really trust God in our areas, take His word first, that He knows more than we do in the area of our relationships, in the area of what we're built to do. God, I think I'd be happy doing this with my life. And He says, no, you're really going to find fulfillment and contentment in serving people this way. Our jobs should be an extension of, our, of how we serve I was getting a good head nod from a, from a public school teacher and I guarantee you that, is, that he gets excited 
not about, woohoo, I'm going to get another deposit from SAISD this month if I do this. They're going to drop some money in my bank account. Woo! That's why I get, in the, get up in the morning. No, he gets excited about helping people understand the subject matter, understand chemistry, and get excited about those pieces. That's, that teacher gets into it because it's a calling, not a job. It's a calling. All of us can do that, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Romans, oh, we already looked at that. Because <clears throat> the way we know that we are growing and knowing God better and trusting Him more is because we begin to make decisions to love that we don't normally make. All of a sudden, the way we express our lives, we all of a sudden begin to do things that are seemingly out of our old character. We begin to do caring, loving things for people we would not normally do. <clears throat> I guess I'm uh, picking on my wife today on this, Dale. And, um, but when, uh, about, we've been married a couple of years, and um, uh, my wife was uh, owing in her, in her love and her outreach and all of these different things. And uh, anyways, there was, uh, um, she's obviously a very neat and tidy person. She likes indoors. She doesn't like outside camping, and she certainly doesn't like bugs at all. Bugs just creep her out. And so she, there's a lady comes across the street from the apartments across the way, and she is just totally upset. She is just messed up. Her hair is all disheveled. Her clothes are all disheveled. She's just crying. She needs somebody to talk to. Just as a policy, I don't meet one-on-one with ladies. I always have somebody there. Cutie was handy. I was like, baby, you need to handle this. And she begins to step in and to minister to this lady. And this lady just begins to, I mean, pour her heart out. She's lived a really hard life. And the night before, she had been, she had been assaulted in every sense of that word. And she was just at her wit's end. And Cutie just began to love on her and pray for her and encourage her and pour into her. And as she's doing this, this beautiful act of, of love that's taking place. And she's loving her, and then all of a sudden she's just giving this lady a hug. And she looks over, and there are all sorts of little insects crawling all over this lady. Oh, okay. She didn't see them. I saw them. And here is my wife. Just that whether she was blinded to it, didn't care about it, or whatever, that she's just pouring in and just loving on this lady that just has, sadly, just the choices she had made and where she had been, there were just insects crawling all over this lady. And I'm like, my gosh, my, not only is this beautiful moment and the spirit that's happening with this restorative deal, but the fact that my wife is staying engaged in it. It's not one of these things that all of a sudden she disconnected from and said, man, we got to pass somebody off. Somebody else needs to handle this. And all of a sudden that this, the love of God was bigger than the uncomfortable issue that we were having to deal with. People, we never know what kind of condition God's going to bring people to us in. And our love has to be in a place that's big enough to deal with it wherever and however it is. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love everyone has, <clears throat> every one of you has for each other is increasing. We have faith and trust 
trust Jesus for our salvation. We can have love that we are able to, to deal with each other on a surface issue. But as you and I grow in knowing God better and trusting Him more, our faith in Him, our trust is going to grow. And our love and care for each other is going to grow. It's just going to grow. I saw another expression of this in my wife. I guess it's easier to notice things. And uh, we're too close to ourselves to, to do these things. But we, uh, um, we begin to do things where we'd be uncomfortable with. And uh, a next piece of why of that Celebration Church exists is we were pretty comfortable where we were before. And God dropped this crazy plan on my heart for us to sell everything and put a load up our, our, the two of us and five kids in a motorhome and travel around the U.S. and let God put a vision in our heart. And as soon as God put that in my heart, I was like, God, you're going to have to talk to my wife. She is not the person to just be a nomad. She's not somebody who's just going to wander around. And so immediately I just dropped the deal on her. I said, baby, I don't know if I just have a crazy idea. I don't know what's going on, but I laid it out. I said, uh, you know, we're pretty much going to be driving around homeless for a while and visiting churches. And uh, I said, baby, are you freaked out? And she said, yeah, I'm freaked out, but I think it's God. And I was like, Phew. Man, that is so far out of her normal wheelhouse. But I tell you what, had we not done that, then the next step for us would not have been revealed, and then the next step for us would not have been revealed. And as we begin to understand that our best life does not exist in us trying to surround ourselves with things that keep us comfy and cozy and, and unchallenged, but to say yes to God and say, God, the adventure is big and you're a, you are big and you're big enough to take care of me. And if you say go, I'll go, no matter how big or how small it is. See, our growth questions of where am I and which way forward from here should have this tone. Am I loving and serving others? And what steps of love do I take? Colossians 1.3 It says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and the love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you all over the world, this gospel is bearing and growing fruit just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood it and understood God's grace and all its truth. It's growing and bearing fruit. It's moving forward as you and I grow in our understanding of his assignment on our lives. That it's about serving others and serving him. Once we've received this free gift of salvation, we get the opportunity to become part of his plan. He doesn't just save us and set us apart to just, okay, you're good, now I'm going to focus on somebody else. No, he brings us into the mix. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, but has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What's the message of reconciliation? 
that God was in Christ not counting men's sins against them. Not, hey, you sorry sinner, repent and God might love you. That's not the message he's given us. This is the message of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. That's our message. When we understand the message of grace, then that is our message. See, with Jesus in the lead, folks, we all win. All seven billion of us win. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, And I got it. Thank God. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings the knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. That should be us. That's a picture of what God has for us. He's leading us and guiding us on one big victory parade. Carrying us forward from win to win in life. Spreading forth the beautiful fragrance of the fact that he loves us and for, is for us. And we can all be reconciled with him in Christ. That's the message of this week. The king has come, Palm Sunday. Good Friday, the sacrifice is made. Easter Sunday, death is defeated forever. And we can be his children for, and we can be his kids and he can be our father. We can live new lives. That's what this is about. See, as we grow in knowing God and trusting him, our lives become more about seeing others live in the win that God has for them. This week is a good time for us to engage in people maybe we don't normally connect with. For them to, for us to, to help people understand what this week is all about. This next Sunday, we'll make sure that they understand what the message of the gospel, the grace of God. I want to encourage you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. People are open. They want to be invited. They want to be connected. Let's just let people know, hey, no pressure. Celebration Church, what we want you to know about the love that God has for you. God's not mad at you. That's not what, that's not what it's about. Easter and read the, res- the crucifixion isn't that your sin was so bad look at what Jesus had to go through no it was that sin separated you and God loved you so much that Jesus was willing to go through that <laughs> I'm so sorry the message ever got turned it's about his love for us I'd appreciate it if everybody would bow your heads and create a quiet moment right quick